over these last few weeks, we've been uh, talking about what God is speaking to us through Jesus. And not only what Jesus says, but who he is and what he does. Now, John, the apostle who, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this book that's in front of you right there, um, he signaled his intention for the viewpoint that he was coming to the, um, to the uh, descriptions of the life and ministry of Jesus from. He said, in the beginning was the word. And he made clear he intended for us to understand that God was speaking to us through Jesus. And not only what he said, but also what he did. And so the, his gospel is built around two sets of seven, seven I am statements and seven miracles. And we've been looking at those miracles to see what God is speaking to us through those miracles. And I want to just remind you that these seven miracles that John goes into detail for us about are not the only miracles that Jesus performed by any means, but they were selected on purpose by him to illustrate the things that he felt like God was wanting to say. And so we come to the sixth of these miracles in John chapter 9, and I'm going to start reading at verse 1. But before I do that, I just want to tell you that I believe, right, I want you to know this right off the bat, that I believe that what this miracle reveals to us about what God is saying has to do with how we view him, our perspective, and particularly our perspective on God. So here we go. John chapter 9, verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. He saw a man who was blind from birth. Notice that this man has never seen. Never. Notice that Jesus saw him. You know, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I imagine myself just this nameless, faceless, <laughs> Uh, meaningless person in the great vast throngs of the human race. There are seven billion of us on the planet right now. And that's not talking about all who've come before and all who will come after. And I don't, I don't, I know better, but sometimes in my, the way I think about how God views me, I imagine that I'm not really seen. But that's not true. And here we are specifically told at the outset Jesus saw a man who could not yet see him. Even before you and I had come to the place where we even cared a lick about God, he saw us. He knew us. He saw this man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi or teacher is what that means. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So these guys, without skipping a beat, they go right to this question. Jesus, this man's blindness, whose sin is it the result of? Is it the result of this man's personal sins or the sins of his parents? 
They don't give any other options to Jesus. It's got to be one or the other. Somebody sinned that caused this man to be blind. That's, that's their frame of reference. That's their perspective, not only on this man, but on God, right? Because the punishment for the sin upon this man in the form of blindness, in their minds, comes from God. We're going to find out that the disciples see God from a different perspective than Jesus uh, wants us to see God. They, the disciples, see God from the perspective of punishment and reward. Right? Do good things, you get rewarded. God likes you. He does nice things for you. Step out of line, there's a price to pay. So they approach this blind man from that paradigm, from that perspective. He's blind because somebody stepped out of line. That's how they see things. That's how they see the world. That's how they see God. I would say that probably the majority of us have the same problem. Our perspective is really, really messed up when it comes to God. We tend to think the same way. Everything that happens is some aspect of this, of this punishment reward paradigm. The good things I experienced from God, I must have done something right today. If not, then I, I, you know, there's something I screwed up on. Don't we see things like that? Where does it come from? Well, obviously it comes from, you know, this sin has broken everything, including how we see God. But think for a minute about how saturated we are, how soaked in this perspective we are. It comes to us from our parents and family. This is how mom and dad keep you in line, right? <laughs> Punishment reward. <laughs> I mean, I, I have had, I've done over the course of our nearly 40 years of pastoral ministry, lots and lots and lots of counseling with people who live with this thing from their parents, this pressure to achieve, to be good, to, and, and the threat of withholding love for the sake, as a punishment, so to motivate you to, or them towards uh, doing the right thing. And even when reward is given, it's always held back just a little because we don't want you to become soft. We want you to, we want to keep just a little bit of the threat out there, right? It's terrible. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not, I was a, I'm a parent. I'm a grandparent. And I've, I've been guilty of this. I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm just saying we all, this is common to us. From very early in our lives, we see the world through punishment reward. School, sports, you do well, you get the better position on the team. If not, you ride the bench. Punishment reward. You don't work hard enough, you got to take an extra lap. Punishment, reward. 
about work, your employment. That environment is saturated with punishment, reward. Government, this is how our civic life is managed through punishment and reward. You run the stoplight, you pay a ticket. You rob a bank, you go to jail. This is how we keep things in line. This is the way our world works. Punishment, reward. Friendships, even marriage. You do what I like you to do, you get some favors. Not, you don't. Punishment, reward. And the saddest thing of all to me is religion. For all time, religion has always, always used punishment and reward to try to manipulate people to do whatever the religionists want the people to do. And that's where God gets mixed up in all of this. And so a lot of us, we have this imagining of God as punishment, reward. The disciples did. So we are, we are hopelessly saturated with this perspective. This is how we see the world. This is how we see God. And right now, Jesus is about to break that paradigm and begin to help us to see something, see God from a different vantage point. Jesus is about to help us to see God from the perspective of mercy and grace. The exact opposite of punishment and reward. Mercy holds back the punishment I deserve. Grace offers me the reward I don't deserve. The exact opposite. Here he goes. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his, his parents sinned. Now he doesn't mean that these were somehow perfect people that had never sinned. He means to say that this uh, blindness is not the result of the direct result of their personal sin. Look, blindness, cancer, um, wars, and, and uh, um, you know, every evil thing in the world is the result of sin, but all of ours. Our race. When Adam and Eve t turned away from God, aligned themselves with the serpent, chose to know good and evil, that's what they got. That's what we got. It's our sin that has corrupted this world. This man was blind from birth because of my sin. I wasn't even born yet. Our sin. It wasn't, it wasn't punishment and reward. It was what I, what you, what we have unleashed it's what we chose. Not God punishing us. It's what we chose. It's neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. He's saying, look, I have come to change things. He's not saying that this man, God caused this man to be blind so that Jesus could make an example of him by healing 
That's not what he's saying. This man is blind and dealing with the corruption and fallout of sin in the world just like you and I do every single day. He's saying, look, I've come to break the paradigm of uh, punishment and reward. I've come to do the works. He says in verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. This is what he said, what's going to happen now? This is what God does. Punishment and reward is not what God does. This is what God does. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. I'm here to show you, to turn on the lights for you so that you can see what God is really like. And dear ones, it's hard for us. We are so, as I've said, so saturated with this other mindset. But Jesus is making an example here. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. When it says anointed, that means he smeared the mud on his eyes, literally. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This guy who's never seen his whole life, who's been blind from the day he was born, now sees. An amazing miracle. But the methods that Jesus used to bring about this healing are worth noting. See, <clears throat> could Jesus have just spoken to the man and said, be healed, open your eyes and see? Of course he could. Could he have done it even from long distance? Of course he could. He's God, right? Everything that Jesus does, he does specifically on purpose. He's demonstrating some things here for us that have to do with him changing our perspective on God. And it might be a little hard to imagine at first, but let me just talk you through this a little bit. So, uh, he, he spits on the ground, makes this mud. Now, both spittle or saliva and clay or mud were considered in those days to have medicinal value. And you know what? Even today, science has borne out the, the medicinal properties of both of those substances. You know, when you, when you uh, hurt yourself or cut your finger, for instance, what's the first thing you do? <laughs> right? It's a natural response because there is uh, things that are unleashed in your saliva that can help. It's not, you know, cure-all, but it can help. Same thing with, well, I won't go into it all, but just that you get it. So, so when Jesus did this, he was exposing himself to the possibility that people would attribute this man's healing to the mud and the saliva. He was exposing himself to the possibility that people would say, oh, that wasn't any miracle. That's just, you know, some, somebody uh, was smart enough to put mud on your eyes. But you know what? Jesus didn't care. He didn't care who got the glory. He didn't care what they thought about him. It didn't matter. He caked the guy's eyes with this mud so that when he was healed, he would not be able to open them until he was away from where Jesus, so that when he opened his eyes, Jesus wouldn't be in the frame. Because he didn't care that the man knew that Jesus healed him. He didn't care. Because when God does good things for us, it's not cause and effect. 
He's not trying to get anything from us. When Jesus worked miracles, it wasn't to bring glory to God. It wasn't to draw attention to himself. It was purely and simply the God who always deals with us from mercy and grace. Always. Verse uh, 35. So in between, what happens is uh, the religious leaders get really upset because this man has been healed on the Sabbath. <laughs> can you imagine? This guy who's never seen in his whole life, he can see. And they're upset with him. Oh my gosh, we human beings are just pathetic in every way. <laughs> so, they don't know who because, uh, they don't know who to blame because the guy who's been blind never saw Jesus. So he doesn't know who he is. And when they keep coming after him and saying, who did this? Who, who caused you to be able to see? Who performed a miracle on the Sabbath? Who was working on the Sabbath? He said, I don't know. But I can see. <laughs> and they never quite got it. So all that happens. And they excommunicate the blind guy. And that's no small thing. That means... He's not going to be able to find employment. He's not going to be able to interact with his family. He's not going to have any access to the temple or the synagogue. He's, it's bad. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. That's what that means. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Remember, he's never seen Jesus. Now, it's likely that he may have recognized his voice because, you know, um, they, they tell us that when someone uh, is, uh, one of their senses isn't working as it should, that the other senses tend to develop uh, a, a heightened sensitivity. So he may have, he may have even though they didn't have a long, a lengthy um, exchange when, earlier on in this passage, he may rec have recognized Jesus' voice, but he doesn't know for sure. He's never seen him. Do you believe in the Son of God? He, the blind man, said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Remember at the beginning I said, take note of the fact that Jesus saw a blind man who could not yet see him. I want to suggest to you that many of us have a form of blindness. We have been seen by God, but I'm not sure we see him. Or at least not clearly. Because so much of how we imagine God to be is scarred by this punishment-reward perspective. And I wonder if Jesus might not want to perform a miracle right now for some of us to cause our eyes to be open, to be able to see him for who he is, mercy and grace.
This is recording number 11252 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, March 26, 2017. This is the sixth message in a series titled, Jesus. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Your Perspective. 